0: Welcome to Know Your True Self, a show dedicated to raising the consciousness of humanity. Today, I graciously welcome Kelsey Aida. She's a best-selling author, a transformation facilitator, and helps women manifest their dream lives and love themselves deeply throughout the process. She's the author of more than five personal development books, including Actually I Can, Affirmations for Happiness, Letters to the Universe, My Pocket Guide to Manifestation, and self-love for the modern woman. Alongside her book, she helps people through her international retreats, one-to-one coaching, online courses, and the popular spiritual podcast, High Vibe In It. Let's get started. Hey Kelsey, welcome to the show. Absolutely thrilled to have you as a guest today.
1: Yes, thank you so much, thrilled to be here.
0: So we're talking about radical self-love. Radical and self-love are two words that are very near and dear to me. Living a radical, awesome life and loving yourself along the way. And as I was preparing for this episode with you, I was thinking about my own self love journey. And I think the challenges that I first faced were during my maybe like early adolescence. I must have been six, seven, eight, nine. And I noticed I had really long toes. And I mean, the types <laughs> of toes that are as long as fingers, my second toe is longer than my big toe. And as a result, I wouldn't go swimming. I would wear socks all the time. I was so self-conscious of it. And now today I walk around and drop something on the floor and pick it up with my foot and throw it in the trash. And I think, <laughs> what the heck happened? Why was I so upset about my toes? Something so insignificant in life but was just weighing down on me, weighing down on me. Now. Obviously, there's other challenges that I faced in in life with self-love. We all go through the ebbs and flows, the challenges. But what's your journey been like in uncovering self-love for yourself and then being able to facilitate other women and individuals to find it within themselves?
1: Yeah. First of all, I love your story. That's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) that you're all self-conscious about your toes, which I mean... We all have something, right, that we don't like about our bodies or we don't like about our personalities. And for me, like to practice radical self-love, it doesn't actually mean that you have to like everything about yourself. It's more like having an understanding and compassion and an inclusivity for everything about yourself. So like if I was coaching you and you were like my little kid client, I would be like, hey, so... Like, why is it a bad thing to have such long toes? Like, look at all these cool things they can do for you. You know, you can pick stuff up off the ground. You got this extra set of hands, basically. Like, yeah, their kids probably going to make fun of you, but they're going to make fun of you for something no matter what. So like, <laughs> that's an inevitable part of life. So if we took that off the table, the only reason you don't like them is because you think you won't be able to fit in. But like, look at all these other reasons why you're great, you know, and then right. you might be like, oh, yeah, I never I never thought about it like that, you know. So um yeah that was super cute great example but for me um it's been a journey of yeah like radical self acceptance and self understanding because if you had asked me before my self love journey that if i loved myself i would have said yeah i would be like oh i love myself because i wrote this book i love myself because of all these things i've accomplished but I wasn't actually practicing radical self-love. I just liked myself for the things that I accomplished. So really, I was like tying my value and my worth to what I was producing or making or how many people I was helping. And it wasn't really until like a pretty emotionally abusive relationship that I really had like the mirror of how I was treating myself internally externalized in this partnership so he was super critical of me he was really back and forth with me um pretty mean and upon like lots of therapy and shamanism and healing that happened after this relationship fell apart I was like dang everything that he was doing to me I was doing to me And that was like the universe's way of showing me, like, do you want to keep doing this to yourself or not? Like, this is not a sustainable way to relate to yourself. And so I was like, okay, so I don't love myself as much as I thought, but that's okay. We'll work on it. And um, that's when I started diving hardcore into like, okay, what does self love actually look and feel like? What are the different ways I can practice it besides just like self-care and double baths and eating good? Like how do I actually love myself? And that propelled me on this journey where now I'm hosting international self-love retreats for women. I'm coaching people one-on-one to love themselves more. I have a radical self-love online program that helps people from the comfort of their own home. And I'm really just trying to spread this medicine of loving yourself because when you do that, you create more internal harmony, you raise your vibration, manifestation becomes almost effortless because your internal harmony gets reflected back to you in every area of your life. And it just makes quality of life way, way, way way better. And your internal being like your relationship with you, when you get that right, life is so much easier and more enjoyable. So I'm all for quality of life. So I'm always teaching things that'll help people improve their quality of life. And self-love to me has been like one of the major, major keys, which is why I'm like so passionate about it.
0: You brought up something really important about pride. And sometimes the pride we feel for what we are accomplishing in the material world becomes sources of or illusions of self-love. It's look what I did. Yeah, I have this achievement. Those are all symptoms of the egoic mind. And that's when love becomes stressed through a quantitative vocabulary.
1: Yeah. Because then it's like conditional. Like I only love myself when I produce, I only love myself for what I have done, not who I am, not the worthiness that we're all born with inherently.
0: And that worthiness, I mean, the heart is the first organ that's formed in our body, we're connected to source intelligence, universal consciousness through that. And that's what is so beautiful, the way you're describing your self love journey is to get back in touch with that qualitative vocabulary. Love is not something you could define. It's like a near death experience. It's unique to everyone that goes through it. It's like the human experience, everything that we're going through in life, we're in this process of, unfolding and enfolding, you know, we're creating, reflecting, and to get in touch with that inner self, the true self, the essence of who you are, whatever you want to define it as, is harder than ever, right? Because there's so many blocks that we face. Now, I'm at a kid and I'm concerned about my toes, right? But I'm not comparing my life, my image, my likeness, to millions of people scrolling through social media, all of these expectations that I feel like I have to meet. What are the barriers now that are most common that you're helping people address through your workshops and classes?
1: Yeah, I think you addressed one of them with the social media piece that's just simply comparison. Like it's easier than ever (laughs) to compare yourself to everybody, uh, especially with social media. So that's a big piece for people. But also, it's the conditioning of society that like, you're not this enough, you're not that enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not rich enough, you're not healthy enough, you're not whatever it is. And people just start to absorb that. And over time, they really start to believe that like, they fundamentally are not enough. Right. And that is obviously a very detrimental (laughs) belief to hold within yourself, especially when it's not true. Um, So comparison The not enoughness, and also the piece we touched on a little bit before, where a lot of people confuse self love with self liking. And they think I have to like everything about myself in order to love myself. Well, that's impossible. So I'm never going to be able to love myself, you know? Um, So I try to help people get rid of that definition because we use love like so frivolously. Like I love pizza, right? Like everybody loves pizza, but that's not the same as like self love, which is why, like, in my course, Radical Self-Love, one of the first lessons I have people do is like, try the best they can to define what love means to them by asking themselves a question like, okay, when you're loving someone, like, what are some of the things that you do for them? Like, you listen to them, you probably hold space for them, like their well being matters to you, Like their needs matter to you, um, you know, their dreams are important to you. And then you just like, flip the lens and do that for yourself, right? You make your dreams matter to yourself. You make your emotions matter to yourself. You care first and foremost about your well-being and health and happiness and needs getting met and boundaries being respected. And it's really like taking positive ownership for yourself in the way that you would take positive ownership of like your favorite pet or one of your kids or your spouse or a best friend when you love people unconditionally, which we all have, I think, to certain degrees, it's easier to understand how to start applying that to you. And it's almost like you're treating yourself like you would somebody that you love unconditionally. But for people, it's hard because they think like that withholding self-love is going to motivate them to achieve certain outcomes. So they think like, okay, I'm not going to love myself until I lose 10 more pounds because if I love myself how I am now, then I'm not going to be motivated to lose the weight, right? Which is not necessarily true, but like in your subconscious mind, you think that's the only way to like achieve what you want. So you're like, I'm just going to withhold the love of myself until I hit that goal. Or let's say like a monetary goal. I'm not going to love myself more until I reach X amount of dollars in my bank account and then I'll allow myself to feel happy and successful or whatever it is. What does that have anything to do with your inherent worthiness and like loving yourself now like let's dig into that throw it in the garbage practice unconditional radical self-love in the present moment and probably the money will come much more easily.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very challenging when we live through our future self because the future self has so many ambitions desires, but it's another illusion it doesn't exist our self lives right now, and to embrace that, be accepting of it, to nurture it, and to come to terms with the fact that we are all unique, amazing, beautiful expressions of consciousness, all with something to offer this world. And what gets in the way of that, Yeah, we've talked about comparisons and now negative self-talk, all of those voices in your head saying, self-limiting beliefs, and what's been your experience in helping people reframe their thoughts through positive affirmations or self-love exercises where they can start to reframe the narrative in their own mind by raising their vibration to higher levels of consciousness and not giving into the fear, the worry, the complaining, the apathy, the guilt, or any of the shame that they're feeling about themselves?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the most potent and fun practices and exercises that I take people through is we do a lot of parts work or sometimes I like to call it parts play. I don't have to make it so serious. (laughs) But um, where I'll ask people to identify a part of themselves that they don't particularly love. So let's say someone has a really rampant inner critic, right? That would be a part of themselves that they probably like disowned, denied, like that ain't me. Like I know she's in my head, but like that's not how I want to be, right? So you will disidentify and it causes like fragmentation in your psyche. So you're not feeling whole. You're feeling like, An internal battle right like you versus your inner critic so this is a really relatable example because i think we all can be like judgmental of ourselves so something that i do with people is i guide them to understand the pure positive intention of the inner critic like if you knew that it was impossible for you to be against yourself That would mean that every part of you, even the meanest, most horrible, ugly looking ones that you hate is trying to help you in some way. So let's get curious and see how your inner critic is trying to help you. And if I'm in a session with a client or like at a retreat, I'll have them go into the perspective of that part. So it's kind of like a channeling exercise or like an acting exercise. And I'll be like, okay, just let all the other parts of your like psyche, just fall away. You are going to be only like your worst inner critic in this next five minutes, like just be her go there getting character. And when people do that, I'll interview the inner critic directly and be like, Oh, so I heard that you're such and such as inner critic, like tell me more about what you do for them. Like, how are you trying to help them? When did you become a part of them? And we get super curious and we ask the right questions. And then Once that little session is over, the person who was channeling their inner critic, obviously, they're conscious when this is happening. So they're like, oh, my gosh, I never realized that my inner critic actually loves me and was trying to help me by criticizing me. So I couldn't get criticized by the outer world (laughs) because my inner (laughs) critic believes that if I criticize myself first, I'll be perfect. And then no one will have anything to criticize about me. Right. So. When you realize that these parts of you that you don't like are actually on your side and trying to help, even if they don't know the best way how, even if their version of trying to help is detrimental to you, you can take them back in as a part of yourself, integrate them, even reassign new roles to them that are healthier and beneficial for you. And then you've just created an internal piece of like, oh, my inner critic. And every time she comes up, you're like, oh, my inner critic is just trying to help me. Thank you for trying to help me, but I'm not listening to you anymore.
0: (laughs) You know, so it's
1: like you can really take back control of your mind and your internal dialogue when you get to know all these different parts of yourself. But it has to start with genuine curiosity, because if you try to go into parts work with an attitude of like, oh, I'm just doing this to integrate this part of me. So it's not a problem anymore. Like this part of me doesn't have a valid reason for existing. Like you're not going to get very far. You know what I mean? Does that that, make sense? It
0: makes perfect sense. And to have that openness, that curiosity about your mind and your consciousness is the only way you can raise your vibration. And I love that exercise because so often we become so attached to our inner critic that we believe our inner critic is us.
1: Right. We start to merge and like blend and we think that that part is all of us. But really, it's one part of you of many parts.
0: And it's there to protect us. That is what the subconscious does. It is there to help us survive all of our primitive survival needs. And we live in a modern world. It's difficult to navigate. There's so much going on. And the more that we can take time to observe that voice, and I love it, see where it's coming from, embrace that it's trying to do its best. <laughs> what can I learn from it? Move on. You know, And that level yeah. of awareness is the gateway to self-love like without that awareness it's hard to get to any other step because you can't to your point check the box on self-love i need to get in touch with myself it's going to take me a weekend here we go (laughs) because as you know self-love is a daily practice i mean you don't just become enlightened in life you don't just reach high levels of consciousness there's always going to be something that's trying to knock you down you have to lift yourself back up and. And that journey is is never ending.
1: Yep. It's the practice. It's the journey. It's a good one, too. It's very, very fulfilling and transformational from the inside out. Like when I work with people, they're like, oh, my gosh, my life is getting so much better. And I'm like, uh, yeah, because look at all the internal work we've been doing. Like everything's just starting to shift now in a more natural way because you're not afraid to like see every part of yourself and embrace it you don't have to like everything that you're doing you don't have to like that you sabotage all your your relationships like you don't have to like that you have this internal dialogue that's super annoying but you can love it for wanting to help you you can love it for its pure positive intention you can take it back in as a part of yourself and say here here you don't have to criticize me anymore like i've got this."
0: So, what does long term self love look like? Once someone gets through the initial stages or phases of understanding how to get in touch with their essence, aligning themselves with talents, purpose, meaning in their life, and then making sure they carry self love through every moment of every day, how do you keep people on a trajectory that ensures that they can live through their true self and really? Shine their light with the world, manifest and create, you know, create around them this beautiful experience of life in the way that they want to live it.
1: Yes, that's a great question. And the answer is actually delightfully, surprisingly simple. So people listening to this will be like, wow, this is such a simple practice I can do right now. And I encourage people to live by the question of, what would someone who loves themselves do in every moment? So whether you're like deciding what to eat for lunch, whether you are deciding to leave your job or not, whether you're deciding to go for a run or go to the gym, like use your intuition and just answer the question right off the bat, what comes to you first, like what would someone who loves themselves do? And then do that. And if you navigate your life like that, no matter how big or small the choice is, you're going to make the one that's the best for you. So that's one of the easiest, simplest ways. And then another question I would add to that that you can ask yourself to prompt like a very self-loving lifestyle is just moment to moment, like what would be nourishing for me today? What's the most nourishing thing I can do for myself today? Is it picking up the phone and calling a friend is it taking in some sunshine and getting some fresh air is it eating a really delicious and nutritious meal is it you know spending some time alone like what is it that you need on a body mind soul level to feel nourished right now and then do that
0: yeah that nourishment is so critical you can do all the work to get an understanding of your mind, how it operates consciously, unconsciously, eliminate self-talk, create positive affirmations and guide that journey. But it will still be next to impossible to find self-love if you're at a balance physically, if you're not taking care of yourself. So what role does self-care play in the equation and making sure that you're taking space for yourself, you're creating balance in life and really, you know, seeking fulfillment in all dimensions, whether they're physical, spiritual relationships, talent development, career, because self-love goes beyond what's inside of us. It's also how we express ourselves to the outer world as well, correct?
1: Yes, totally. Because self-care is a huge, huge part of self-love because it's like the enactment in real life, right? The action taking or the actions that you don't take or the boundaries that you do set is like taking care of yourself, right? By definition, it's self-care. And when you're someone who practices self-love, that usually means that you really take in your own best interests, your well being matters to you. And so in that, self-care is gonna be the execution, right? It's gonna be the execution of asking yourself those questions, Acting on them, making sure that your needs are getting met, making sure that you're voicing your boundaries in loving ways. I think self care is a huge part of it, but I think sometimes the most basic self care practices that you'll find on like Pinterest, like bubble baths and like chocolate covered strawberries and like whatever else you can find, I think sometimes people confuse that for self love. And then they're like, wait, but I still don't love myself. Like I took a bath and it was (laughs) nice, but like I still don't love myself. (laughs) So I think. Sometimes people can get stuck at the basic self-care level, but from a top-down approach, like self-care is a huge part of self-love. And when you love yourself and you practice a self-loving lifestyle, the self-care is just like a natural expression of that. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: it does. And you brought it up earlier. You said you have to put into the work. And I talk to this to clients and business owners a lot. I'm like, If you're really on a path to personal discovery or organizational growth or any type of transformation, you have to put in the work. And putting in the work isn't something that's arduous, but it's the most foreign experience to most people because it requires you to be the object of observation and to look at yourself objectively and to remove your filtered lenses and to have that experience to remove those blocks and just connect with yourself as a being is extremely hard because, yeah, on social media, you see all these trends. And I don't necessarily believe trends are bad, but if we follow trends, they're not usually going to lead us to a balanced life, long term well being. They're usually some type of life hack to try to accelerate a process to self love. And then most people are just left more frustrated and disengaged. So to help people on this journey, what are some of the resources that you have and where can people connect with you to help initiate their self-love journey and connect with their essence and flourish in this world?
1: Yeah, great question. I actually want to riff off of what you just said and then I'll tell people where they can get more. But I say to my clients a lot, like in a joking way, that we're like, going through the short term pain for the long term gain, right? Because it's not always like super easy to look at the parts of yourself that you don't like. It's not always super easy to be with yourself in a super uncomfortable emotion, right? But these are things that are so important to the transformation work that you're speaking of, and to long term wellness, like you can't go around the discomfort to get to the long term comfort, you have to go through it, which is really what I help people to do, which is super like not a sexy sales pitch, not what people want to hear, but it's the truth. And like, everybody knows that, like, when something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. And I would say too, like on the healing and self love journey, Yes, there might be some pain involved. Yes, you will probably be uncomfortable in moments, but it's to create a long-term sustainable wellness. You can keep coming back to your happiness. You can keep coming back to your peace. So I think that it's worth it. I'm willing to suffer for a few minutes in my painful feelings or look at something I don't like myself for a lifetime of self-love and happiness, right? So if you know what's on the other side, I think that makes it so much more worth it. So I just wanted to plug that little, you know, truth in there (laughs) before we end the conversation. But um, yeah, people can find out more about me and my work at Kelsey Aida. I'm actually hosting a self-love retreat. It's only for women, so sorry, but a girls retreat um, in Mexico in October and it's a radical self-love week. So that is like a really powerful offering, probably my most powerful offering that I have at the moment. Um, So people can learn about that on my website. And then I would encourage everyone to resource my podcast called High Vibe in It. We're always talking about self-love on there, raising your vibration, um, manifesting your highest desires, releasing resistance, all that good stuff and what else what else oh i'm giving away i just wrote a new book that has some of my most like potent self-love practices including how to do the parts work that i was talking about and it's called the mini book of self-love for the modern woman it's available on amazon as like a paperback or i'm giving it away for free on my website so i'll send you the link to that if you want to put it in the show notes because that's a great free resource and yeah i just hope that everyone resources me because i have a lot of wisdom and value to give in this area in particular so if you're needing more self-love i'm here to help
0: yeah wonderful i mean love is in short supply everyone's searching for it but it is omnipresent it's all around us and all within us and i encourage everyone that's listening that needs to release some of these destructive energetic layers that are holding them back from living their best life. Get in touch with Kelsey. I know she can help you. And thank you so much. You've been an awesome guest. I've been wanting to do an episode on self-love for a while now. It gave me a reason to talk about my extremely long toes. I <laughs> Got to brag
1: about those. All of your time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. This was so fun. And yeah, I hope everyone gained a lot of value from it.